Well, good morning. So happy that you are with us today. And uh, what a great few moments we've had on focusing on family ministry. And I want to encourage you to look at the doors outside uh, the walls of uh, this sanctuary in the lobby area week by week. Uh, they're along the sides of the walls right here. You can kind of see the phases we're talking about when it comes to children's ministry and how we pray for our kids and how we uh, attempt to target the teaching that goes on in each grade area and how seamless that really all is from preschool all the way uh, through senior high school. So that's a part of what we want you to know today, what, you, what we want you to pray about today. I want to talk for just a few moments before we get into our message today uh, about the events in Charlottesville. And I want us as a church to walk through some truths that uh, need to be apparent and evident today. If you're not aware of what's happened in Charlottesville, Virginia, then what has happened is a white supremacy rally took place where uh, members of the Ku Klux Klan, Nazi groups, and others that espouse white supremacy marched and, uh, and were very vocal in their perspectives. And, and along with that, uh, there was a counter uh, group that came and countered what they were doing. And although we don't know everything about all that was going on, what we do know is that the white supremacy movement is grievous, wrong, error, sinful, uh, it is an antithesis of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because basically, when one race espouses superiority over any other race, that's bigotry, that's racism, and that is a, that's a, a prideful view of any particular people. So today, what we want to do is be able to say, that's wrong. We want to pray against that kind of movement happening in America, express our grief. We want to be able to do a few things today in prayer. And I want to call you to prayer about this subject over these next few moments. I prepared a slide that I want to put in front of you today, our response to the events in Charlottesville. And uh, I want you to walk with me through this for just a few moments. You know, part of anything that a church does uh, is about prayer. It's about asking God to work in supernatural ways. It's about taking time to call on God to bring change to our hearts or the hearts of people in our nation. And that's what we want to do today. So here's our response to the events in Charlottesville. We're going to beg God, number one, for healing and change in America. Can you agree with me today that that is uh, totally inappropriate, that what's going on is wrong and it's sinful. It sends the wrong message to people all across the world, especially in America. And we want to ask God to bring healing and change to America today. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. Can you do that in the next few moments? Can you say amen to that? The second thing we want to do today is condemn bigotry and hatred and racism at every turn and in every possible way. Anytime we see acts of racism, anytime we hear words of bigotry or racism, the church of Jesus Christ needs to step up and stand up and be heard. We need to be able to say, whether it's an individual conversation or a group conversation, that all men are created equal before God. We need to be able to say that God loves every person equally. We need to be able to say that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the entire world. That's everybody, folks. That's you and that's me, that's everyone. We also need to be able to say that we know that the residents of heaven for all time and all eternity involve those from every people, every tongue, every nation, every tribe. And we want to espouse that and be public with that. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. Are you with me this morning? Say amen. That's so incredibly important that we affirm that. Then thirdly, we want to reach out to all who fear, feel fear and who feel anxiety as a result of Charlottesville. Now, just because you may not feel that way doesn't mean that there are those who do not feel anxious, who do not feel fearful. 
you've ever been on the other end of a conversation that's bigoted or racist, then you'll know the fear, the anxiety. You'll know what it feels like to be left out. But if you've never been on that side of the conversation, then you may not be aware. What we need to do is be able to reach out to all those who feel fear or who feel anxiety, who feel targeted in some way, and be able to assure them that we love them in the name of Christ. That's what Christians do. We call upon God. We stand up in the public arena. We become salt and light. We show compassion. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to have a time of prayer today. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach over with someone next to you. Perhaps it's a a family member or husband or wife. Maybe it's a friend that's sitting next to you. And it could be a group of two or three. But I want us to pray about these three areas. I want us to lift our voice up to the Lord over these next few moments about this subject and about what's happening uh, in that part of the nation and perhaps all over America today. So I'm going to leave this screen on uh, the slide on the screen so you'll know how to pray. You'll know what we're talking about today. Be reminded of that. And let's just spend a moment or two and go to the Lord in prayer. Would you group up with one or two or three others and just spend a moment and pray, call out to the Lord, and then I'll close us in just a moment. Let your voices be heard to God. Father, in Jesus' name, in small groups of people all over this worship center, all over this church, we're gathered together in your name to ask you to work in a sovereign and supernatural way. Father, we're going to ask you, we're going to beg you to heal our nation, heal our land. We're going to ask you in Jesus' name to bring change to our country. And Father, where racism and bigotry where hatred, where a sense of superiority on the part of some exists, Father, I pray that you will eradicate that. Father, I pray that we could turn from all that and turn to you and to your word and what you say and how you call us to live. That we could mirror the love that you have for every person on the planet. And Father, today we stand united as the church of Jesus Christ against all those things that we've named. Father, I ask you also that we will be sensitive today and in the days ahead to those around us who do feel fear, who do feel anxiety, who worry, who are concerned, who feel grieved because of what's taking place, and that grieves all of our hearts, I know. And I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, we can bring comfort and hope and encouragement to them, and that we can bring affirmation of the Father's love and of the love of the body of Christ for all our brothers and sisters in Jesus. 
And Father, today I pray that we would be salt and light in a culture that needs our influence. And Lord, today let us be that influence you've called us all to be as followers of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask all this today that you would work supernaturally in the, in the heart of and in the middle of something as grievous as this, that we could be so much light and so much salt that we make a difference here and now. And Lord, we ask all this in the mighty, all-victorious name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. All right, carry those thoughts, those uh, priorities with you, if you would, wherever you go, step up. Speak out in every opportunity you have. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask that you turn to Luke chapter 9. We have uh, work cut out for us this morning as we get through the end of chapter 9 today. Beginning in verse 43, Luke chapter 9. Would you stand with me as we read God's Word? Luke 9, verse 43. I'm going to read just three verses, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to pick up all of the text from verse 43 onward. Today, the title of the message is Elevate Your Humility. Now, that's, a, that's kind of a misnomer. That's a, a paradox. How do you elevate and at the same time uh, move downward? How do you elevate and at the same time grow more humble? And we're going to see why we should do that and how we should do that in the course of this text. Luke chapter 9, verse 43. I want to remind you that Jesus is getting his disciples ready to follow him. And in the preparation of following Jesus, he's preparing their hearts and their minds for what he says and, and what he declares as priority. And while Jesus is preparing these disciples through a series of four brief conversations that we'll read today, his mind is focused in one place, and that's the place that he's about to walk to, the cross that he's about to die on. And so we pick it up beginning in the second part of verse 43. After Jesus does an amazing miracle, it says, they were all amazed at the greatness of God, but while everyone was marveling at all he was doing, he said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand the statement, and it was concealed from them so that they would not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about this statement, which has to do with him going to the cross. Now jump down in verse 51. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Now we start with those phrases so you can see the laser-like focus Jesus has on the cross. And the fact that he has his disciples around him as he moves that way, teaching them what Christianity was about. Father, in Jesus' name, give us the insights we need to have today to help us to be true followers of you. Help us to understand what it means to be humble to be able to have the humility that says, not my will, but your will be done. Show us what Jesus was showing those disciples. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So I want you to imagine today that you're one of those disciples that Jesus is discipling and bringing along. You're one of those guys. You're one of those ladies. And you're in that crowd and Jesus is saying things to you that help you understand what does it mean to follow me. We're really in that room right now. We're really in that, that, that environment right now. Jesus is always asking those to put their faith and trust in him and to follow him. The heart of this entire book, this entire gospel is Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where Jesus says to the disciples, if any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. 
So everything we say today is going to be through the lens of Luke 9, 23. Everything Jesus does in this passage that we're looking at today is done through the lens of Luke 9, 23. Jesus is focused on the cross and the disciples that are going to follow him and the disciples that are going to make known what he does on the cross. And he's got to prepare them. He's got to give them a sense of humility, which is the opposite of pride. He's got to help them be made of the stuff where God can use them in a supernatural way. You know, when you begin to look at the Bible and the great, great leaders in the Bible, you always see that they're marked by a sense of humility. When I think of the great leaders of the Bible, I think of men like Moses in the Old Testament, the amazing leader that God raised up to set his people free in the Old Testament book of Exodus. I mean, movies are made about this man, Moses. All kinds of incredible things happen through the life and ministry of Moses. But the, the premier characteristic of Moses' life was his humility. He was a humble man. In Numbers chapter 12, verse three, we have this amazing text. It says, now the man Moses was very humble, more humble than any man who was on the face of the earth. Wouldn't you like that to be said of you? What was even more so uh, incredible to me is that Moses himself wrote this statement. He wrote this passage. Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. I laugh when I hear that, but how humble would you really have to be to be able to write that and still get away with it? It would have to be universally known that he was a man that depended on God and not upon himself, a man who looked to God for direction and strength and not to himself. Or I think of another great leader, the man John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, preparing the way of the Lord. And the Bible in John 3 tells us that when John's disciples saw that Jesus' disciples were growing in number more than John's disciples, they cried out, John, Jesus is taking all the disciples away. And John the Baptist declares something that we all can remember. John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Humility, that sense of meekness that says it's not about me, it's about God, it's about Jesus. Or the life of Jesus himself. When Jesus came and walked on planet Earth, Paul, looking back at Jesus' life, made this amazing statement in Philippians chapter two. I love this text. If you have it in front of you, it ought to be one of those texts that you spend time thinking about because it's so incredibly important. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, which is the key phrase there. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, the most humbling way to die. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. And I love this verse. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Don't you love that? An incredible statement, a statement to look forward to, a statement that will happen. And when you look around you at the evil in our world, Keep this verse in front of you because Jesus lowered himself. He was lifted up in the eyes of the Lord, died on the cross, and one day every knee will confess, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ 
is Lord. Man, that's an amazing thing that we have to look forward to. Look at the life of Moses. Look at the life of John the Baptist. Look at the life of Jesus. We have this great advice that we have to follow if we're going to be usable in the hands of God. Here's what it is. You have to lower your view of you. You have to lower your view of you before God can use you in great ways. Now, I want to apologize to you as we begin this morning. I want to apologize to you if you've been told that the Christian life is going to be easy. If you've been told that the Christian life is about you and the blessing God can give you. If you've been told that there is no sacrifice in the Christian life. If you've been told that following Jesus is a comfortable thing or following Jesus is one of those things that's painless. And you'll always be able to get your way. You'll somehow convince God that your will is best through prayer or through sacrifice or something else. If you've been told all those things, I want to publicly apologize to you because that's not the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is this. If you want to follow me, you've got to deny 